0: You're listening to Wholesaling Inc, episode number 305. I spend my time analyzing deals right now. So we have a setup where it goes through a workflow process and it comes to me and we have um, information on the property, the the four pillars that you teach in TTP. My cold callers are going through qualifying the four pillars, property condition, time frame to sell, price, and uh, motivation.
1: Tom Kroll, and Cody Hoffheim.
2: Hey, 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 everybody. It is Brent Daniels, your host of the Wholesaling Inc. podcast, the world's number one podcast when it comes to all things wholesaling real estate. With me today, I am so excited to introduce, out of just outside of Atlanta, from Canton, Ohio, Mr. Eli Rose. Eli, say hello to everybody.
0: Brent, what's up, man? What's up, TTP family?
2: (laughs) I'm excited, man. I'm really excited because here's the deal, guys. Everybody that's watching this on YouTube or listening to this on the podcast, Eli recently posted to the TTP group two... Big, massive checks, okay? One for 50600 the other one for $51,593. These are back-to-back checks in one picture, if you can imagine. So obviously, it definitely piqued my interest to find out more about those deals. And it was really incredible because he wrote down the story. These are not very traditional wholesale deals, but these are something that you really had to think outside of the box, I know that's a little cliche to say that, but you really had to think creatively about how to put this together to get the most profit out of these deals. Now, both just in full disclosure, both these deals were from TTP, right? From picking up the phone. Is that right?
0: That's right, man.
2: Awesome. Love it. So let's do this before we get into that. That was like the teaser, right? That's what to bring people in to to watch and listen to this podcast because it's going to be great and it's going to give you a lot of information. But tell us your background. Tell us where you're coming from. Have you always been doing this? Is this new to you? Are you a family man? Are you a single guy? Like, tell everybody about you. Let's get some relatability here.
0: Yeah, man. So family man, two kids, uh, six-year-old and a three-year-old. Been married for 10 years. Got into real estate about three years ago. Dabbled part-time while I was in a corporate sales. I spent about seven years in the corporate sales world. Two and a half years ago, I took the plunge, went full-time. Hooked up with a, uh, a guy who does some of the traveling real estate seminars. Got to I'm a licensed agent as well. So I was listing a lot of his flips. I was wholesaling him deals, kind of getting to see the inside of his business. I mean, the dude was a madman. He flipped like 150 houses a year. So great learning experience. Did a lot of listings my first year. Last year, I cut out all the traditional agent stuff. Went strictly to flipping houses, wholesaling houses, I sell properties, quite a few properties to hedge funds here in Atlanta. Some as a traditional agent, some I'll take them down and and sell them off as a wholesale or a hotel deal.
2: Got it. And you're in Canton, Georgia. How big of a how how big of an area is that?
0: You know, man, I don't even know the population here. My business is done in the city. It's all it's all in the lake. I do most of my stuff in the Atlanta area
2: awesome and so you touched on a couple of different things there you talked about really you had a mentor in this to really kind of pull back the curtain and let you look at what uh, he was doing to flip so many properties right like how much how much did he show you did you get like everything did you understand everything that he was doing and kind of how he was sourcing his deals
0: kind of I got the inside on the production piece of the the renovations really well so I was the listing agent, so I was going in and and getting to see them while they were being produced, and then obviously I was really uh, involved in the final process selling it as the listing agent. Once we built that relationship up, I, I started picking his brain, understanding how he sourced his off market deals. Most of his stuff, if not all of it, was off market stuff. He wasn't doing a bunch of direct marketing. He would buy from wholesalers, so he he bought he had just just a huge rolodex of wholesalers that mm-hmm. he sourced deals from.
2: Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing how many of those big-time fix-and-flippers do not source their own deals. And in my experience... That's because they do not want to deal with one, the marketing or prospecting of finding the deals. And two, most importantly, they don't want to deal with the emotions of the sellers or kind of like, you know, sitting down and going through everything, you know, solving that seller's problem. They just want to come in. They want to bring a cashier's check, sign it closing and start renovating. Right.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, I, mean I, I like to tell folks I'm in the sales and marketing business. It just so happens that the byproduct to my sales and marketing system is discounted real estate. It's a totally different monster than actually flipping houses.
2: Oh, for sure. For sure. And then how much of advantage, disadvantage do you think it is having a real estate license? Cause I get that question never. all the time. Should I get my license? Do I need my license? Like, what do you think?
0: I think it's an extreme advantage. I've obviously seen the argument of, Hey, you should, and you shouldn't. For me, it gives me access to the MLS which is amazing for analyzing deals. Uh, when I flip properties, I'm trying to get out of this, but when I was flipping properties in the past, I would list them and save money there. Really, you just have to disclose. It's just disclosure, disclosure, disclosure. Anytime I buy a property, I am you know, letting people know in paper, verbally, hey, I'm a licensed agent, I'm in this to profit, I don't represent you in any capacity whatsoever. And um, yeah, man, I, I think it's a huge advantage personally.
2: Awesome. And so talk to me about your schedule. How does it work? Are you a a one man show? Do you have a virtual assistant? Do you have an acquisition manager? Like what is the structure of one, your business and two, your daily schedule?
0: Yeah, sure, man. So I have a full time lead manager. I have an acquisitions manager, three cold callers and a virtual assistant. Awesome. So um, the virtual assistant, he pretty much builds cold calling lists and skip traces all day long. That's all he really does. Um, the lead manager, she also doubles and I'm not quite big enough to keep her full time as a lead manager. So she'll cold call when she's not busy, but she's doing all the follow-up, she's presenting initial offers, cold callers. They're obviously cold calling, and my acquisitions manager is taking the the leads that kind of make it through the filtering process that are hot and, and she takes over those and tries to close the deal. Um I spend my time analyzing deals right now. So we have a setup where it goes through a workflow process and it comes to me and we have um information on the property the, the four pillars that you teach in TTP my cold callers are going through qualifying the four pillars property condition time frame to sell price and uh motivation yep. and then they're coming to me and I go into the MLS and I'm doing a a very detailed i guess you could call it comparative market analysis so I'm I'm looking at it and saying okay is it better to flip this property is it better to wholesale this property if I wholesale it, is it going to a buy and hold investor? Is it going to a hedge fund? Is it going to a flip guy? And really figuring out what our best offer is. So most of my time is spent on that, looking at KPIs, managing how my team's performing, cold callers, acquisitions, managers, and, and coaching and training them.
2: Love it. Love it. And you mentioned that your VA is scraping to put together lists and skip tracing. What lists are you finding are working?
0: so we've actually done most of our ttp bills off of um a general high equity absentee owner list so another benefit to being a real estate agent you have access to tax record data through the mls system sure he's building um i'm pulling lists he's scrubbing those he's skip tracing those Um, we also do niche lists so tax delinquent um, code violations we have a couple counties figured out where we can go online and get real niche we can get divorces Probates, mm-hmm. you know, all sorts of different distress type situations. But um my highest performing list year over year is tax delinquent. Tax delinquent's been awesome for me. I always get a couple deals squeezed out of one of those. Yep. And um with the cold calling, we've actually had more success going real wide. So we build these what I call blanket lists or world lists, and yep. then we'll we'll just pound them, triple line dial them and pound out as many as we can.
2: Well, and you have three people, right? Are they full time? So one is thirty hours a
0: week and the other two are twenty hours a week.
2: Yeah. So you're you're getting what is that, seventy hours a week of calls? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you need a lot of you need a lot of addresses to call for sure. There's no way you're going real tiny with your list there unless you're like You know, hand dialing them, leaving messages, specific ones for each one. So that's great. So you're going wide. You're getting big lists. You're calling all of them. You get a lead coming in. That's somebody that says, yes, they would consider an offer or they're kind of showing some interest in selling it. You're, you're, are your cold callers really diving deep into the four pillars of pre-qualifying? Or are they just scraping the surface, getting off the top ones that say they would consider? And then that goes to your lead manager
0: yeah good question so they're pretty heavy on the property qualification so they'll pull up zillow um a feature in mojo where you can just pull up zillow and they'll use that zillow data to kind of break the the barrier into the property questions and they'll qualify pretty heavily on the property condition questions i leave the motivational questions more so for the acquisitions manager yep it's a way to build really get into the rapport building yep but yeah they'll i mean they're really tasked with just finding folks who say they're interested in receiving a cash offer And depending on what information is disclosed by that prospect depends on the workflow moving forward. So if they provide an uh, asking price, we have a different workflow for that than somebody that says, well, why don't you you give me an offer? You call me. So it, it goes through different workflows and there's different scripting throughout each of those different types of responses. Perfect.
2: Yeah, that makes so much sense. And your lead manager, I mean, is this a full-time job for them? Are they looking, I mean, as soon as the leads come in or is it just like, you know, I I only get, let's call it five leads, 10 leads a day. It's not like a full-time thing. I've got her doing other things or him doing other things. Is this somebody that's in your market or is this somebody that's virtual as well?
0: She's virtual. She's from the Philippines. She's been in real estate for 10 years, BPO real estate. She worked for a broker in Savannah, Georgia for 3 years, a, K- a Keller Williams broker. Yeah. So she understands the dynamics of, of real estate. Her English is killer. But yeah, she's full time. I mean, we're we've also ramped up some text message marketing lately and we're we're right at about 30 leads a day. So awesome. she's keeping an eye on these leads coming into podio yep and, and part of her job is getting them ready for me to analyze so she'll get basic property data put into one place so i can quickly just go down this list and bang out the cmas but yeah she's um, right now about four hours of her times allocated towards scrubbing those new leads and following up I and mean, the, the big part of the lead manager role is follow-up oh, and yeah. When you oh start yeah popping out massive amounts of lead that that follow-up gets overwhelming it's crazy like she is absolute beast with follow up. so She's 4 hours a day right now on the lead manager tasks and the other 4 hours she's cold calling but yeah, she's full time huge. She's eight hours
2: a day. That's huge. Yeah, the lead follow up is where As you build up your pipeline and you have leads that aren't ready to go now, you're kind of, you know, walking them through the sales cycle, right? You got to stay in front of them. You can't just let them go by, you know what I mean? And it starts adding up, adding up, adding up, especially when you get 30 leads a day. That's beast, man. I love that. I love that so much. So tell me about these two deals, okay? Let's first break down this first one, the one that you closed for 50600 Tell me what was going on there. Really awesome. I mean, you did a great job describing it in the Facebook post. But let let everybody know that's listening and watching.
0: Yeah, that was that was a cool one. So it, the initial lead came in, and this guy disclosed his asking price. He was an absentee owner. He lived a city away. This deal was in Acworth, Georgia, and um, he disclosed his price. And his price was full retail. And we make an offer on every lead. Like we don't care. We're going to make you an offer. It may be a hundred thousand less than what your asking price is, but you're getting an offer. So lead manager, I, it comes to me, I do my thing, perform, uh, produce the CMA, put it back in the lead manager's uh, bucket and say, hey, G, follow up on this. She calls him, delivers the offer. He's like, heck no. A day later, he calls back and he counters, I think, 30000 less. Yeah. G comes back to me, so we have a workflow for that. She's like, well, we got a counter. I said, hold tight, hold firm on our initial offer. We hold firm. He calls back a day later and he's $3,000 over our initial offer. Ah. So. It was awesome, man. Yeah. I mean, his original asking was 235 and we ended up getting it for 153.
2: Oh my gosh. So, awesome. So what was the condition?
0: It the was property? great, man. So my original strategy with this was to take it down and do a quick cosmetic flip. Yeah. Um there were tenants in it, so it was tenant occupied. Yeah. I was gonna let the tenant's lease expire. They took great care of it. I was estimating 15 to 18k in repairs. The biggest thing was the HVAC system, but, I mean, it was minor cosmetic. It had granite countertops, hardwood floors, nice, nice house.
2: Awesome. So uh, so it yeah. had a tenant in it, though. How long was yes. their lease till?
0: Their lease was – it was supposed to be through August of
2: 2019. Okay. And then what so happened? So I, I went to them <laughs> and offered
0: cash for keys. So I was going to let them stay. I, so I used private money to take down the deal. Okay. My interest payment was – $300 less than what they were paying for monthly rent. So I covered my interest payment at least. Yep. And I was just going to let them stay in there, do a quick cosmetic flip and, and sell at retail. And I presented it to a hedge fund before I actually bought it. And the way the hedge funds work is they go binding. they You go under contract with the hedge fund before they actually send somebody out to see it. Right. And I had already done a really good rental estimate. So they made me, uh, they offered 220 k as is. Mm-hmm. After they went out did their thing with their inspection they renegotiated 5k which I was fine with I ended up offering the tenants cash for keys to get out early Um, so
2: explain real quick explain what cash for keys means
0: yeah sure so tenant had a lease their lease was up until August of 19 yep I said hey how about I give you a couple grand I'll give you your security deposit back if you get out of here in 30 days yep That simple. And they were like, you're going to pay me to get out of here and give me my security deposit back. They're like, heck yeah. So they, they packed it up and got out.
2: That's awesome. Yeah. It's amazing. A lot of people get scared of that, but just ask them. You never know. I mean, they might go. And now did, did they have the right to stay there until their lease was out? Absolutely. As long as they didn't breach their lease contract, absolutely. But you were there, you, you made them a, an offer, I guess that they, felt would be better for him at the time. Maybe they were already thinking about moving. Maybe they just didn't want to be there anymore. Maybe this was the push that they needed to get out of there. So just everybody out there, if you do have tenants that are long-term leases, have the conversation. See if there's something that you can work out to get them out of the property or to get out of the lease so that you don't have to hold onto that property as long. So, And another great thing that you talked about is you talked about selling to hedge funds. Now, this is a really interesting topic because there's a couple different things going on. There's certainly hedge funds like you sold to that, that they're in the business of buying these properties, holding these properties, renting them out for the long term or whatever. And they just have a huge portfolio, but also for everybody out there. And I'm sure, I think they're in Atlanta too. You like the Zillow cash offers, the OfferPad cash offers, and the open door cash offers. These guys, I am telling you, if they are clean properties, you can sell it directly to them as is for way more than you bought it for. And they don't care. They don't care. It is a number on their equation. We have done it multiple times and have made way more selling to them than selling to just a traditional fix and flipper because they just have a bigger budget. They just have really tighter margins, right? I mean, it's just a really smart strategy. I love that you mentioned that. Yep. So you bought it. So give us the timeline. You bought it and how long before it you sold it and got paid?
0: Yep. I bought it. First or second week in January and got paid within two months.
2: Woo! And this yeah. was a cold call lead off of which list? Do you remember?
0: This was um, high equity absentee.
2: High equity absentee. And what was the total that you made again?
0: I believe 50,000, 51,000, 50,000.
2: 50,600. Yeah. I love it. Victory bells all around. Tell us the second deal that you closed in the same amount of time for 51593 Tell us about
0: that one. Yeah. So this is one that I was uh, planning on, on wholesaling. It's a three-bedroom, two-bathroom townhouse in Stone Mountain, Georgia. And I was going to wholesale it, but once I, I put it out as a wholesale, I just didn't get an offer that made sense. It made more sense to flip it. Yep. So I, I used a new private lender on this deal and they fund they funded hundred percent of it. So I, I took this one down, ended up taking this one down as a flip. So they funded hundred percent of it. Okay. They paid for the construction, which just typically lenders will do a lip account, a loan and process account. Sure. So you'll have these reserves where you, you know, you draw out the construction funds as you go through the renovation process. And this lender ended up paying the lip account up front at closing. So essentially, At closing, I bought a house to flip and was stroked a check for $51,000. I love it. So yeah, man. So we just, we pulled permits yesterday and we're quote unquote breaking ground on that one tomorrow. We got probably a 30 day timeline to, to flip that or to renovate that one. And then we'll put it back on the market and list it. Awesome.
2: Awesome. Awesome.
0: Awesome. And where'd you get that deal from? That was a cold call lead as well. Yep. That list, I believe that was a tax delinquent list. I'm almost certain that was tax delinquent.
2: So it sounds like you're doing some of these. And then uh, I apologize if I don't understand the area as much, but uh, these areas that you're doing it, are they in the outskirts of Atlanta? Are they kind of like the suburb? Like where are these at?
0: Sure. So Ackworth is more of a suburb. Stone Mountain's more in the city. So I have 115 zip codes that I target throughout awesome. Metro Atlanta. So, Metro Atlanta is really sub market. I mean, probably like Phoenix. That, you yep. know, there's sub markets. There's yep. pockets, just little pockets, different. Stone Mountain's more in town or more closer to the city. Acworth is more of your suburban area north of the north of the city. Awesome. I'm awesome. doing deals over Atlanta. Most most of my stuff is in the city, but it's pretty close suburbs to you know the actual actual Atlanta.
2: Yeah. So what is the difference that you make on a wholesale or a wholesale or a flip versus what you were making as a traditional real estate agent? Oh man. (laughs) Do you remember what your average deal size was for each one? You know what I mean?
0: Oh yeah. I mean, I was working for the, uh, the the large scale fix and flip investor and we all know they don't pay 3% man. So I was hustling my butt off for a 2% listing check, typically on lower end properties. Yep. Uh, Yeah. So during 20, uh, the the reason I cut out the the agent business is I went back during twenty was that twenty seventeen and analyzed my time and my profit and about 70% of my time was spent on those listings and about 30% of my profit came oh, from yeah. them. So oh, it just yeah. didn't make sense, man.
2: No. I was averaging as a real estate agent for a decade, 2.7% interest. Uh, 2.7% commission, right? Wholesaling, it's 16%. Listen to me, everybody out there that has been a realtor for a while, knock it off. Wake up. The market has changed. It's direct to the homeowners. It's direct to the sellers. Start working in the distressed market. Quality conversations with distressed property owners. That's how you win this wholesale game. That's it. That's it. You just got to be consistent with it. If you're out there and you're a real estate agent, I'm getting on my soapbox right now. Make the change. Make the change now to wholesaling. Don't wake up three years from now and be like, oh, I'm still making a hundred grand while all these other guys around doing wholesale are doing 250, 500 million bucks. Telling you, make the change. Anyway, don't you think? Do you agree? I agree, man. 100%. How good is life right now? How happy are you?
0: It's good, man.
2: Right? Isn't it better than going around and getting the pictures and doing showings and taking, you know, all the – doing all the, the the agent activities that you have to do? Essentially, you're an employee of whatever that seller is, and you have different sellers all over, and you have to keep going and building and doing all this. Aren't you just so much happier?
0: Oh, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
2: more time with the family, more time to grow your business, more time to invest. I mean, it's just phenomenal. So, um that's really really awesome. So that's 101 102,000 bucks in two deals. I mean, th- these are massive deals. How do you keep Doing massive deals. What do you what do you do mentally to make sure that you're looking for the biggest and the best deals? And technique-wise, like what what little instructions or what what kind of yeah instructions can you give people listening to this or watching this that will help them mentally get into getting big, massive checks?
0: You know, man, I, I still struggle with that. It's it's just being firm or being being confident in your offer. Sometimes you feel like you're going to hurt somebody's feeling. You get this kind of this feeling in the pit of your stomach when you're making these offers. That, yep. and this is just way too low. Just trust the numbers. Don't get emotional. You know, offer low. Um, have your initial offer be on the low end, yep. and if you need to negotiate, negotiate up. Yep. But don't be afraid to make the offer where it's a great deal for you. Um, yep. You'll be surprised. I mean, this is the one we talked about in Ackworth. This that's my third largest wholesale deal, and I remember when I was getting into this. I was looking at it going, wow, man, I could make 10 grand on one of these deals. And that seemed like a lot. Then you get your first one. And you're like, well, maybe that was just an accident. Maybe yeah. I, what did I do? Like, I don't, maybe that isn't normal. And then you do another one and then you do another one. And yeah, man, it, it, it's real. And just keep that mindset, you know, don't let the emotion get you and, and just stick to your numbers, know your numbers and offer low, man, make a low offer and see what they say.
2: Yeah. And it goes back to the fundamentals, which the fundamental is in any transaction, There's only one party, one side of the transaction that sets the price, and that is the buyer. Listen to me. Get it in your head. Everybody listen. The buyer sets the price for everything, okay? It's not the seller. It's not the appraiser. It's not the county assessor. It's not the real estate agent. It is the buyer. If there is not a ready, willing, and able buyer willing to pay pay a price for the property, then it will never sell, That's the point. What is your price that you think that property is worth for you? What do you want to make on it and stick to your guns? It goes back to what Todd Toback taught me years ago. When you're giving an offer, just go with two words in mind, certainty and likability. You're certain about the offer that you're making and you do it with a tone of voice that is likable. It is not aggressive. It is not being a jerk. It is being somebody that is very, very likable, somebody that has a kind tone. Then you will win courage and likability, baby. Those are the two words when you're making your offers. So definitely think about that today when you're making offers, tomorrow when you're making offers, the rest of your career. Uh, keep going with that. So yeah, in closing this, Give some advice to people starting out. Give some advice to uh, maybe somebody that's done, uh, you know, a little bit, but want to get wants to build a team, wants to make this a business.
0: Yeah, I would say uh, be laser focused. I made the mistake of, of chasing shiny objects. There's so many shiny objects in this real estate investing world. Buy and holds, fix and flips, wholesales, retail agent stuff. Stay laser focused and, and don't take your eye off the goal and figure out how to get there. And, and just don't let anything deter you. Don't let the naysayers get in your head, and that can get a bunch of negative head noise up there. Don't let the opportunity for a quick buck deter you from you know going after what you really want. So just stay laser focused and, and don't stop no matter what.
2: I love it. Thank you so much. If people want to reach out to you, how do they find you? How do they if somebody wants to uh, somebody in Atlanta that's like inspired by this and they want to maybe work with you or they want to you know just talk to you, meet up with you? How do how do they get a hold of you?
0: Yeah, man, fire me an email, Eli E L I
2: at home team h b dot com. H B. Okay. H B is in boy, right? Yep. House buyer. H yeah, is in house it. buyer. I love it. And guys, if you are interested, remember communication, 80% of communication is visual. So if you want to watch this, if you're listening to this, you want to watch this, check out the Brent Daniels real estate coach YouTube page. It'll be up there. It's always awesome. It helps us remember a lot of things, a lot of the gold nuggets that Eli dropped in this podcast. Make sure you check that out. Also, if you are ready, to be part of the most proactive group in real estate investing. You got to go to wholesalinginc.com forward slash TTP. That's wholesalinginc.com forward slash TTP. I look forward to working with you personally. You work with me personally, just like I work with uh, Eli and some of the others that you have heard on this podcast and on the YouTube channel. So check that out. But as always, first of all, I want to say thank you again, Eli. Thank you thank you man all right and for everybody out there i encourage you to talk to people love you see you next time bye